This is your one-stop shop for all things deals, discounts and tips when it comes to buying pretty much anything you need to buy when it comes to taking back things that you need to take back. If it's about retail or vaguely about spending, this is the show for you. So, ripped from the headlines. Last month, it was revealed that Sadiq Khan is trialling cheaper tube fares that come in in a couple of weeks' time on a Friday to get more people back into London and out of their homes. So we're going to look at the new uh, working week and the impact of that on our lives. Plus, how much do you actually need to retire when the work is over? Welcome to False Economy. Powered by Hot UK Deals, the UK's number one app for deals, discounts and freebies. I'm Dix Layton, consumer champion, shopaholic, well, recovering shopaholic and occasional comedian. And joining me once again are... It's the magnificent Paul Watson. Hello, Paul Watson. Hello. Mag- I've never been called magnificent in any regard. So Have I, I never I, called I like you that. magnificent? Uh, oh. I don't think so. No, but but I mean, I hope this sticks. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I never told you before. You know, this is this is the lesson that we're learning. You know, we talked about this on Valentine's Day. You've got to appreciate the people that are in front of you. Don't wait for a special day to do it. Do it now. And do you know what, Paul Watson, you're magnificent. And I'll tell you who else is. It's Charlotte Redding. Oh, my goodness. What an opening. The incredible oh, legend wow. that is Charlotte right Redding. Wow. This is this is too much. I, I cannot accept this praise. <laughs> Mostly because I, I feel it is disingenuous. <laughs> But oh, that's thank not you. true. Marvellous Vix Layton. See, now it looks like I've only said that so you can say nice things back. It's happening again. I'm feeling really insecure. <laughs> February is an insecure month for me, financially, mentally, generally. Is it because it's got uncertainty over its length? Maybe. It could be. Maybe it's like, because normally it's a 28-day month and the one thing you can be sure of is the passage of time, except this year, the 1,000-day January <laughs> was not enough. We're like, let's make the other mediocre month a day longer as well. It is. The worst section of the year has just got longer. Yeah, because yeah, January and February are the worst ones, aren't they? February is the bin juice of the annual calendar. <laughs> are we going to retire ever, do you no. think? So it feels like retirement age is getting further and further away. But what you get when you hit retirement age is getting more and more rubbish anyway. So all you've got is slightly more free time with the guilt that maybe you should be earning money. I'm self-employed too. So the idea of retirement has always been a bit odd because you don't really have like a set pension or anything. You have to like, you have to be very, very like you have to basically not think about it quite a lot the fact that you have so little security in self-employed income because if i was a sensible and well-off person i'd be putting money away but you can't in this current environment uh so it's kind of scary to think of a time where you've just got to say right that's all my earnings done (laughs) i'm gonna live off whatever's left um it's pretty terrifying there's an argument i've already left it too late to start thinking about my pension as i approach the age that we're not going to mention uh but uh even the people that are in full-time employment we're not putting away enough now charlotte i think you've got the data because you are our data gal now uh, where are we at with retirement how much do we need (sighs) so they they split into three categories i couldn't find really good descriptions on what these were um for the for the people who make these statistics uh the three categories of retirement quality we have minimum moderate and comfortable arguably to me comfortable should be the minimum but okay um <laughs> you think, so you? <laughs> it, it differs for couples and single people i know we talked last week about uh, you know how shit it is to be single sometimes and how everything is better in a couple well that's the same for retirement um but for a single person the minimum to retire um and, and survive fourteen thousand four hundred pound a year 
For a moderate retirement, £31,300 a year. And for a comfortable retirement, £43,100 a year. Uh, for couples, it obviously goes up but doesn't double directly. So the minimum for a couple is 22400 for minimum, all the way up to comfortable at £59,000 a year. Comfortable. And for the record, the state pension value... With all of its increases and, and little handy help, is currently sat at eleven thousand five hundred. So that is half the amount needed to have a minimum standard quality of life, according to these figures. If you're single, yes. The only time that it will successfully provide a minimum quality of life is two people. So a couple, both receiving state pension, would be just about at the minimum value they would need annually to live, which is harrowing. And that's- that's still not a lot of money, is it? That is less than probably a year's salary on minimum wage, or not? There's not much in it. Oh, on uh, for the minimum. Oh, yeah, for the minimum yeah. value. Oh, yeah, less than minimum wage. Uh, that's. But I mean, I I want to know what assumptions they've made in here because obviously by the time you reach your retire- retirement, there might be a, an assumption in here that you say own your own home. You know, you've think, been paying yeah, off that mortgage for that twenty, assumption. thirty years. For us, I think it's going to be very, very different for a lot of people, you know, who will now be owning their home later and later. It's not going to be paid off. I think it's uh, the the most harrowing statistic I saw as well is the um, as if this weren't bad enough. I mean, it's misery minute from Charlotte here. Um, (laughs) The average savings that a person has at retirement so women, on average, enter retirement with £69,000 in savings. Men, Who are these women? Well, what? men, on average, are entering retirement <laughs> with 205000 Who are these men? I know. Who, who, who are they? I wonder whether that means in investments and things as well. Yeah, that's but, got to be. That hmm. can't just be cash money that they're sitting on, surely. I don't know. Is that because this is a generation of people who could buy their own houses or could eventually pay their mortgages off? So yeah. the value is therefore the value of houses they are now sitting in, which are absolutely off the market to normal people yeah. now. Is that it? Yeah. I think like... that's a part of it. I mean, the fact is that there is, for all of us, and looking at these statistics, we are predicting for ourselves a huge shortfall in terms of what we each have going into retirement and what we're going to need. And even for, for people retiring in the next couple of years, this must be horrible to look at. And I think the only people who can survive retirement now are civil servants with that famously delicious pension. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all made fun of it. And I'm not even sure if civil servants are getting the same sort of gold-plated pensions that they mm. used to be. But I briefly did a job in the civil service and that's all people wanted to talk to me about. They're like, oh, good pension. It's like, not for the amount of time I plan to be there. But it is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sure enough, six months later, I was gone. I was out of there. Yeah. I just I just walked out. I told them I was leaving. Pension under your arm. Well, it was a contractor job and uh, I was off to permanent job. But I just, I, I think retirement is becoming, for, for most of us, I think parents are either retired or at retirement age, you know, probably between us and, and probably the listeners who, of the podcast. But like, how many people's parents at this point cannot retire? Well, my dad's managed it. Lucky, lucky devil. <laughs> <laughs> but I know a lot of people who, you know, whose parents probably cannot retire. They're well over retirement age now and they're having to maintain a little something. You know, they might do drop down to one day a week, 
but well into retirement that people aren't retiring from work in the same way. But that's an interesting thing mentally, isn't it? Because I think retirement's really tough for people anyway. Like mm. mentally just to be told suddenly do not work anymore <laughs> is a really tough thing. So I think there's there's those who are still keeping a bit of work because they they need the financial and some who just need the mental like don't suddenly want to be told you are done i think to a degree uh older people who want to continue working would be more encouraged to leave the business because they're likely to be being paid more yeah for their jobs and have a better pension a better quality of pension where the business is paying more in and it's a lot cheaper to get workers in under the current work rates with the current requirements legally in terms of how much you have to pay out in redundancy like there are some really old school people that are probably getting a much better deal than whoever their replacement will be when they leave. So, mm. yeah, interesting. But you know what? On the subject of work and the fact that we'll probably be working forever, uh, the working week is looking a little bit weird. And as a result, um, it's cheaper now to go into London on Friday because no one's going. So uh, I think what uh, post-COVID we've seen is that people just, they will stay in the house unless they really have to come out. And uh, all the little sandwich shops, all the little businesses around big office spaces that companies bought six years ago because they didn't know what was coming, Mm. uh, now standing empty in these cities. So there has been a big push to come back to work and one of these things will be the come in on friday go for a little drink with your colleagues and also to get tourists in and to make it a little bit cheaper for tourists to come up to london because i think the reputation for the big smoke is it is prohibitively expensive for everyone yeah charlotte you were in the market for jobs what's it like out there in the front lines i am currently job hunter uh which is it's a very different place in the world than it was even four or five years ago obviously like i've worked fully remotely for for four four or five years and now just the thought of going back into an office full time i I won't do it i'm not looking at any fully on sites no there's no way the quality of life i think is so much better in the work-life balance but everyone now is like oh yeah we're, we're hybrid working and i think most of the job adverts out there that are saying they're hybrid it's like, well, how hybrid is hybrid? Because if it's three and a half days in the office, I wouldn't really call that hybrid. And some of the things that are advertised as fully remote are then turning around <laughs> later in the advert. They're like, oh, it's a fully remote job. We'll give you an allowance to set up your home office and all these things. But you will be expected twice a month to be in the London office. And I'm like, that's not a fully remote job then. You've misunderstood. You've misunderstood. <laughs> but I think everyone is so desperate for remote jobs now that the only way they're getting all the applicants is if they call it remote and then sneak the hybrid in later. So I got call, called up uh, from a recruiter about a job and he was like, oh yes, it, it is a hybrid role. I was like, excellent. So what are we talking? Because I, at most I'd like to do, you know, I have said I want fully remote roles. And he was like, no, no, it, no, it's definitely, it is hybrid, minimum time, only three days a week. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> one day a week that's is mad. too many. One day a week uh, yeah. to me is hybrid. Yeah, that's not very remote, really. No, <laughs> three days a week is, because actually a lot of people are working four day weeks now, yeah. like that's becoming more common. So if a four day week in the office is full time in the office, it's for a lot of people, that's basically your 100% office, your four yep. days a week. <laughs> three days a week in the office is not exactly hybrid is it no that's crazy because the thing is everybody got effectively a pay rise during covid even well if your business didn't do what my 
employer at the time did, which was pay me 80% of my salary for the privilege of keeping working. They also mm. paid the people on furlough 80% of their salaries. And uh, for the privilege I'm still of really not. bitter about that. <laughs> I'm still really bitter. Grown Ups has a summer holiday that I did not have. <laughs> Well, I, I kept working. <laughs> I mean, there were worse, a lot worse things happened to a lot more people. But uh, True, but for anyone who was working during that, we dreamed of furlough. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but even with the 20% pay cuts, the fact that I wasn't having to commute into work every day saved me mm. hundreds. And I didn't have to get up as early as I was getting up. When I stayed in the office, it didn't have an impact on my evening. I was going home at nine because by the time you'd done the commute in between, it was it was good. And now we all have to come back and there's no there's no extra payment for the travel that you have to make to get to work and everything's gone up. So we had what felt like a bit of a pay rise, which covered the fact that everything was getting more expensive over the years and we didn't notice it because we had a little bit of money to cost to cover up that shortfall. And now we don't. So I think financially it's going to be quite challenging for people to return to the office in a way that they didn't anticipate because it, even if you're being paid the same, you're not being paid the same because of inflation, because of the cost of literally everything else. Not being able to eat your lunch at home yeah. and it's three biscuits yeah. and a muller rice you found in the back of the fridge, like having to actually buy. I'm factoring that into into the salaries that I'm looking at. In my mind, there is, uh, you know, I see it as sort of, there's a premium on fully remote. So like it, it costs more to do a hybrid role. So you know, given the choice, two identical jobs, identical salaries, one's hybrid, in real terms, I'm earning less money. So actually, you know, I'm expecting a higher salary for a hybrid role than I would take for a remote. But yeah, on the flip side, obviously, jobs that used to be completely office-based are now remote. So you do have access potentially to sort of London jobs and London salaries if you can find them. But uh, it doesn't sound like the job market's that much fun. And the sheer volume of work you have to do for interviews. Oh, these days my God. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> You've this been reading them crazy. to me, Charlotte, like the four or five Stages, stages of interview. I saw one earlier and I read all the way through the job spec and I was like, oh, actually, this sounds great. Sounds like a decent company. Yeah, so it seems all right. I, I'll throw an application. It was like, here's the interview process. And you start with an initial screening call. And then it's a technical interview with one team, then a technical interview with another one, an example and a, a case study to work through in another interview. And then a, like an, a, a final stage that is about culture and what you can add to their culture. And I was like, you've... you've You've lost me there. You've wasted my time. Can you imagine getting all the way through all of the technical interviews that are available to you and then getting to the last stage and losing out on the culture and values ad? <laughs> yeah, we asked her why she wanted to do the job. She just said money. I'm like, money. No, she's out. <laughs> you know, you go through all, you just all lost that, that, All that work and all that holding yourself together and being like the perfect candidate and then they just ask that and you go, money. She thinks <laughs> the moon landing call. was real. That just does <laughs> not jive with our company values. I've got to read it. I did take a screenshot of it and I, I, was, I will not say anything about it, but obviously this statement is, you know, we're not looking for a culture fit, but focused on where you can add to our existing values and what values of your own might add to the culture and work of the team. And I'm like, how is that a stage in this process? I would feel that pressure, though. Can you imagine that pressure of going to a going for what's supposed to be like a relaxed coffee? But like the idea that you're supposed to be having, oh, it's just a relaxed thing. But you know, you're basically you're getting a job or not getting a job on the basis of your small talk. That's yeah. when I would just blurt something out like, oh, I don't think they went to the moon, did they? Oh no, no, I mean, I think maybe they went to the moon. I don't know. 
Is there a moon? I'm not sure. <laughs> is the moon a real thing? I haven't got the job. <laughs> I'm off home. <laughs> oh, Paul, that reminds me. You had a brilliant uh, assessment centre for a job, didn't you, that requires you to put on a small play? Oh, this Sorry? one haunts me today. Haunts me today, this one. You had to it put was in my, a play? It was in my... <laughs> No. Well, I yes. It was in yes. the very brief time that I was a personal trainer, which um, was many years ago. And I went to one of these awful open days where you're all basically competing to get a job. And we got sent, we got paired up into teams and sent out the room to prepare a load of questions and what we were going to answer. And most of them were just really obvious questions. It was like, why do you want to work with people? We like people. We like work. You know, it's like really <laughs> obvious. And then the last Level. one on the the last one at the bottom of the sheet we had was like in groups of three, in your groups, um, create a small play. And we were like, wow, this is mad. Like this is very creative. So we created this well, I say we. I was very much the driving force, the director, and I created the play that opens with um two people who have just killed they're effectively, I was supposed to be their like overbearing landlord, I think was how I saw myself. And I'd been killed and I'm lying dead on the floor and they're discussing how they've done, got to this point and like, what are we going to do about this? And at the end, they realise that they are the true sort of monsters. They're like, you know, why have we done this? Nothing justifies this. We're the monsters now. And then it wow. closes. Powerful I thought stuff. closes to, yeah, I, I believe it really closed to like a standing ovation. Instead, it closed to complete, silence and then the instructor just held up the photocopy and went to his one and went oh yeah a bit's cut off yours it says uh, a play about the time that you've received great customer service oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bleak moment in that room for us yeah we never performed again as a co- as a company you know for us, that was it. <laughs> wow <laughs> mm. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that you can get us to do as part of a normal interview process. <laughs> Scandalous is what it is. Yeah. I reckon what we're going to see is the return of the, we saw it once already where it was like, oh yeah, we've got a hot tub and we've got a bar and we've got a beer tap. Stay yeah. on Friday. Table tennis I table. <laughs> I think we're going to see the return of the hipster office as people incentivize hard to get people back in under whatever means need other than paying them what discounts the time yeah. the no, not money anything but money and, yeah. <laughs> every single desk will have a Nintendo Switch on it but not financial remuneration I reckon that's that's going to yeah. come around again like we saw it yeah. come and go Oh, when definitely. actually what we all want is health as we discussed last week healthcare <laughs> dental plans and yeah. uh, pensions Solid pension options, that's what we need. These are grown-up things. I have a serious question, and that is, when did we all get boring? I think, well, no, <laughs> if you... If you talk about this, you know, we talked about loud budgeting a couple of weeks ago and how like younger people are getting into the habit of keeping an eye on debt, making sure they're financially savvy. Like, there's an argument that the younger generations are somehow more boring than us because we burnt through our 20s not caring about pensions, not giving a fuck, going, oh, yeah, there's a beanbag here, but no benefits. (laughs) Right. Health benefits, no. Beanbags, yes. Free beers, yes. <laughs> That's. I think that older generation will had that attitude of like, look, I'll work, I'll work as hard as I can, and I'll be looked after at the end of it. And that was always like the kind of that was the contract. Whereas now we don't have any faith in anyone to look after us at all. And I think in a way that's. It probably does make us boring, but it makes us not play along with this idea that work is anything more to us than a 
a contract at which we receive money for <laughs> what we do rather than it being like you know this thing of like oh we're a family it's like yeah you're, you're not really though are you you're you know i hope my family won't just like give me a performance review and decide that they're gonna have to get rid of me at some point <laughs> yes, i think it's gonna be interesting to see what is offered in terms of whether it be like a four-day working week whether it's six months sabbatical unlimited holidays is another big one now you can take as many days off as you want traditionally because people have run the numbers on this in places that have unlimited holidays people take less holiday like that's why places are doing it now because you get such kind of loyalty from giving that that people feel guilty taking more holidays because they don't want to take the piss and they're so scared of it that they don't people are not taking their full entitlement when they've got unlimited holidays yeah it's it's like when you get to the end of the year though and they're like you've got 10 holiday days to take that happened to everybody that i worked with december was an absolute ghost town because <laughs> people were just taking random days off it's like i'm not in tuesday <laughs> wednesday why just, i've got leave to use up so but you Gotta know email me it. i'm not busy i've got no plan for it got no money but uh yeah it's gonna be an interesting year from a recruitment point of view i think so uh good luck charlotte with the job application <laughs> if anybody keep, knows keep of us... anything do do let us know if anyone asks you to put on a play i'm happy to help you um... <laughs> well that was uh and we've had two quite serious weeks in a row, haven't we, so far? But uh, in in happier news, it's the Leicester Comedy Festival, everyone. The what? Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm personally doing two shows at the Leicester Comedy Festival, and uh, my ticket sales suggest that no one's heard of it because that makes me feel a little bit better than they're just not buying tickets for me. Um, but it is a sort of smaller comedy festival in the run-up to Edinburgh Fringe. There's Leicester, there's Brighton then there's the bright lights of Edinburgh that uh, is going to be interesting this year to see how many people actually attend from an audience point of view because everything is more bloody expensive now and we saw in the British retail consortium figures that people are spending less on going out and spending more on staying in so they're getting their takeaways they're getting the Netflix sorted it is getting prohibitively expensive to go out and about mm. How much is the accommodation now? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because like comedians are complaining about the cost of accommodation for things like Edinburgh Fringe. And if we can't afford it, then the average punter's not going to be able to afford it. Because if you, it doesn't matter how much you love seeing 10 comedians in 48 hours, you probably don't love that as much. Or, you know, some people do. Some people do make that their summer holiday. But if you normally would maybe take a few days up there to sort of go and enjoy some uh, grassroots, it's not just comedy, some grassroots culture and have a little bit of time in Edinburgh. And then you find out it costs the same as two weeks in Spain. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or more, to be honest, realistically more, uh, the, to stay in a hall of residence for a week, the much derided, much maligned um, share with six strangers, but you each have a coffin toilet. That is £300 a week. I mean, that's cheaper than London. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really in Edinburgh. It's, it's, it's proper basic student accommodation. And when you think of it like that, I'm intrigued i'll be intrigued to see if anybody prioritizes yeah. that this year when everything else is just impossibly expensive do you think that, that it's better now to go for the smaller festivals potentially leicester is over a whole month but you don't get the concentration of acts that you get in edinburgh edinburgh you can see five people from tv and five up-and-coming people in a single day whereas leicester is a little bit more spread out so yeah. that's you're not going to get the festival feeling that you get in the same way with a music festival if there was like a a festival month like Reading Festival if that was over two weeks 
the value yeah. of the tickets wouldn't be worth the same. But yeah, festivals are, are doing well. There's still a lot of demand for those as well, summer festivals. People are still mad to go to Glastonbury. The lottery for that. It is worth it because people say, oh, you know, that is one where they will compare a cost of going to Spain for a week with a cost of a few days camping. But if everybody's charging 50 to 80 pounds to get in a room and see them do a set, all of a sudden you only need to see three things over that weekend to justify your ticket and, mm. and it's worth the money. So if you're a music fan but you can't afford gigs anymore, then it's, uh, yeah, it's worth doing. My, me and my dad have just booked to see The Cause doing their first ever album. All in full at Cardiff International Arena. That's going to be quite wow. exciting. But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to afford that on my own. That's uh, thanks, thanks, Dad. My dad got me a ticket. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'll be. I'll, I'm really interested to see what live entertainment does if they slash their prices to make it more mm. accessible, so that the venue gets the bar taking, or if it just becomes something where there are enough people that are willing to pay that amount, that amount that it's worth them still charging it. I think some of the big like Motley Crue last year had, I think Wembley Arena. And it looked like it was only a quarter full, and that is embarrassing. That's bad. bad, Arguably, (laughs) arguably. How much for tickets? Ridiculous. If they'd made the price a little bit cheaper, they might not have made as much money. But you don't want you don't want the drone footage of that stadium with a few people dawdling at the front and some people up in the nosebleed seats. Like at what cost? Dignity, (laughs) Motley Crue, and Def Leppard. At what cost? (laughs) At what cost? These are interesting times, and typically big industries like this are slow to react and they're slow to change the rules. So we might have a few more years of it getting incrementally more expensive, with the arenas getting quieter and quieter before we reach this conclusion. But let the record show we have solved. The problem of expensive tickets right here on False Economy. <laughs> I just hope big arenas listening. How could they not? Cheaper tickets, people will buy more stuff. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, we've covered a lot of ground, but do you know what we haven't covered yet? It's the uh, quick fire round. We still need to figure out what that that tune's going to be, don't we? I know. I, I try every week. I try, and I, I I just feel like you guys need to support me. Where are your compositions? Get the cause to do it. Just go backstage at the cause and just say, "Look, guys, could you just knock something out for us? That ten just minutes." Just go backstage. Yeah. Do you think the cause is the right vibe, though? <laughs> I love that we're rejecting the cause. Yeah, actually, that's a good <laughs> point. Doing a like... ten-second um, intro for us, Andrea. That's a lovely thought and a really generous gesture. But I'm just not sure that's the vibe. That's what's the I'm not sure it, it's really brand fit. As a rule, I'm not a fan of the Tim whistles, so uh, I just think maybe. Like... <laughs> the first item on the list is the fingerprint safe. I want to know how much you think somebody would pay for a 50 litre safe with fingerprint technology from the Amazon Basics range. <laughs> you don't want to push the White boat White bread, out. pint of milk, <laughs> fingerprint safe. You know, it's a, it's a real staple. You cannot do without I, it. It's just, a, an Amazon Basic. If I had 50 litres capacity worth of things I wanted to keep safe... I think I'd invest a bit more. Mm. I'll give you some examples of what you might want to keep safe. In important mm. documents, jewellery and other valuables. Achieve greater <laughs> security compared to a keypad. Apparently, uh, the fingerprint tech is is stronger. Mm. Less likely you'll forget as well. Like, what? I'll forget my, my password that I use for everything. I'll I've left my like... fingerprints at home today. Forget your Sorry, finger. we yeah, can't, yeah. can't get in the safe. There is a backup uh. key 
for emergency <laughs> use, which arguably devalues it all could, of the other things. It could undervalue it a bit. <laughs> or as a backup, if you just jimmy it, it'll come open anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, in what situation inc- would you need the backup key? Like, well, yeah, in case your somebody is needs to access it that's not you, in case, in case you lose the finger. Oh, uh, that's a oh. fair point. No, that's but a fair point. But wouldn't you just ask to, to keep the it. finger once it's been detached, preserve it, and that becomes the Put key? Put on a key ring. <laughs> Put on a little key ring. I'm going to say fifty nine ninety nine. Ooh. Okay. You haven't even I'm, heard I'm... about the pre-drilled mounting holes and hardware for floor and wall mounting. <laughs> that you've got to make that decision without hearing all the information. I'm going to be honest, that was a really sexy sentence. <laughs> I'm quite disarmed because I almost would have gone really high on this, but I'm I'm now going to be more modest and say a hundred pounds. I've I felt I could have gone way higher on this. Yeah, it's I, I either think... going to be really expensive for what we think or really cheap for what we think. Yeah. Well, the actual answer you were looking for is a hundred and forty-six pounds and sixty-three wow. pence. Oh, much more than I thought it would be. Wow. For fifty whole liters of of fingerprint technology storage space, so you can also access with a key. Lovely. Okay, so that is point Paul. <laughs> Super safe. <laughs> the next item is uh, broccoli. <laughs> yes or no? Right. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. yeah. Yes or no? Yeah, I guess. Yes or no? Tesco have matched over five hundred prices with that of Aldi in a bid to compete. So how much does a three hundred and seventy-five gram price matched head of broccoli cost at Tesco? Fifty-nine p. Oh wow, that was quick. I feel that's quite a lot. Is that not? Is that, is that like a premature baby's head? What would that be? I like, have no idea how much by weight that pounds. is. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think like Paul. I'm like, let's think outside uh, the box. A cat skull. Because <laughs> Charlotte was right <laughs> in, as if you've just bought a broccoli. What, what did you say? Fifty nine. Charlotte loves vegetables. Fifty nine p. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go a pound, but. I'm disarmed by how quickly you rattled that off. The correct answer is 82 pence. That's a lot. I thought broccoli was cheaper than that for a head. That's a lot of broccoli, though, I think. Well, I don't know. I, how, I was, how big is that? I've got no idea. <laughs> but anyway, that doesn't matter. What matters is how much does it cost to swim with sharks? That's the question on everyone's lips. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa. Just piss the wrong person off in a mafia movie or Yeah, I mean, that's not a threat. For free. Like right. you are actually volunteering, you're actively volunteering to swim with sharks. So now Charlotte, this is just for glory. Obviously, mm. you know, to keep of course, from like a clean I've, sheet. I've, I've lost horribly. We want to take you on a trip to Skegness Aquarium. To swim with some unhappy looking reef sharks and zebra sharks. Oh, God. <laughs> Skegness. Swim, swimming with sharks at Skeggy. You know I'm, you want to. Oh, God. This is a one person experience. You get entry to Skegness Aquarium for one dive participant and also one spectator. So somebody gets to watch you do it. For participants under the age of 16, this must be a legal parent or guardian. You cannot swim with sharks under 16 unsupervised. You get briefing and training. Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Safety briefing, can, yeah. <laughs> come face to face with a variety of sea species, including sharks and bat rays. You take the plunge into their lost lagoon and coral ocean display. It's supported by the British Sub Aqua Club. 
and the shark trust. I don't think you should trust sharks. I don't think they're very trustworthy, particularly when you've put them in a tank. Uh, you get three yeah. months free membership to the British Sub Aqua Club included in the experience. And it includes a personalised voucher and message card because, yes, it's from our friends at the British <laughs> Experience Day uh... company. Right. So it is actually, it's on sale at the moment as well. I'm going to go £75. And that sounds a lot. But I kind of feel like scoobery things, they rip you off. I'm going to say 60 because that's obviously with the discount. Ooh, oh, yeah, because then it would have been 90 or something. In the Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's clever. Well, uh, it is Point Paul. Wow, expensive. That will set you back £100, down from 149 at the moment. So, you know, if you do want to swim with sharks in Skegness, <laughs> now's the time to get that book. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> if it's your dream... To you, experience you, both those attractions in one. Uh, the, the downside is obviously that you have to go to Skagness. I know. They will not bring the sharks to yeah, you. But for me, that's probably the best bit of the experience. Oh, yeah. Hot, fresh donuts at the seaside. It was a solid win for Paul there. On the absolutely solid win. I don't think we celebrated that enough, to be honest. That was a really great show yeah, for Paul Yeah, really quality oh, performance. Well, I just oh. couldn't get my ear in today. and I. Uh... You, just couldn't, you just couldn't quite... Quite make your piece of mm. it, and that broccoli one was a that was a slam dunk for you. I thought. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought you. I that. really. Yeah. I, I dropped the ball on that. I just assumed it was cheaper. I can't. Well, don't take it up with us. Take it up with Aldi. <laughs> take it up with Aldi and Tesco. Yeah. <laughs> That is inexplicably all we've got time for. In fact, we've run over. <laughs> we have reached the end of the episode. As always, thanks to the listener for listening. And thank you, Paul. And thank you, Charlotte, for being my uh, my partners in uh, False Economy and uh, the Quickfire Round. Thank, we tried a Quickfire Round, which is me and Paul. The vibe was a little bit weird. So I'm glad that we've got uh, a person sort of batting full time against him. You, now, you don't so. get enough thanks. Marvellous fix. Yeah. So, you know, you just fix, no. thank you, thank you. for, for tolerating you know our bullshit. <laughs> don't, thank, don't thank me, thank the listeners, because uh, if there was any indication from them that they weren't enjoying it, i cut you dead. i yeah. cut you loose yeah, that's without fair. hesitation. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're here at the behest of the listeners. Uh, on that note, if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear Charlotte and Paul again, please rate it well and review it. If you didn't enjoy it, you now have 30 days to return this podcast for a full refund. Terms and conditions apply. We will speak to you next week. Bye.